0: Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for Product Managers, Leaders, and Innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in.
1: Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters. That has been our purpose from the very beginning of this podcast, six years now, and that is also why I'm changing the name of the podcast to product masters now. Now you don't need to do anything different to keep listening, but I want you to know the name change is coming in a few weeks and it will show up differently in your podcast player, not as the everyday innovator, but as product masters now. And if your players like mine, it probably lists the podcast in alphabetical order. And so you'll see it down lower on the list under the P's instead of near where the E's are. Now the logo will look the same. So it should be easy to find just the name is changing product masters Now, Now, about this episode, how much do you think about the user experience of your products? The entire user experience? I know I've put my focus in one area and neglected other aspects of the user experience. For example, the functional experience with the product, while perhaps ignoring the onboarding aspect or the customer service aspect. Even if you argue that such areas are someone else's responsibilities, I believe you as the product manager have important insights for improving these areas. Our guest, Elizabeth Farrell has a practical framework for quickly evaluating UX called First Time UX or FTUX, which is an acronym for a four-step process. She'll take us through the steps and also an example so we can understand how to apply the framework. Elizabeth is the founder of Product Mindset, a product consultancy focused on first-time UX and onboarding. And remember if you hear anything that Elizabeth shares that you want to go back to or for you to share with a colleague use the detailed notes that we write for you. They are a summary of everything we discuss and you'll find them at the everydayinnovator.com/322. Also in that same place you'll find a one-page action guide to help you put Elizabeth's insights into action today. Now to the discussion. Elizabeth thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast.
0: Thanks so much for having me, John.
1: So it's winter time for us now as we're recording. I think we're both in cold places, right? You're upstate New York and I'm in Colorado and we have some snow on the, on the ground. How about you?
0: It actually, there were like four or six inches just two days ago. Now it's in t- now there's no snow on the, on the ground. So I think we're, we're uh, <laughs> definitely very fluctuating.
1: It's nice to have the sun to take care of that. And that's often how it is in Colorado. It doesn't stick around long. So we're going to be talking about user experience, UX, and your focus on really experience at, in UX. And you tend to be a product person that looks at that. Tell us about how you got there and really what, what your emphasis in UX is.
0: I have been a product manager, enterprise, startup, nonprofit. Like I've done the whole gamut. And I noticed that I was always being hired for onboarding, for getting people into the funnel, doing the top level. Onboarding experience. So, for example, when I worked at American Express, my product was selling a developer inner source library, and I was trying to get other developers from other departments to use my library. So it was all about the user experience of how can a developer from a different department just immediately fork it and use our APIs and get started. And I have been thinking about how do we get started? What is the first time user experience? for for developer experiences, for platforms, for products, for apps and realizing what a massive clinch point this is. As I look deeper into this, I see the stats on mobile app drop. For example, 77% of mobile users drop an app, download the app, will try using it and then we'll never go back after 72 hours. That means all the money you're spending on customer acquisition costs, on actually getting people to come through your funnel and giving them a little bit of promotional credit, 77% of your users are not coming back after three days. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy amounts of money being spent on a leaky funnel. How do we make sure that the funnel isn't leaky? How do we make sure that the first-time user experience is... It's fantastic and hits a pain point and Mm -hmm. has some immediate value that keeps them coming back. We're not just another app. We are the app that does X and to create that little memory in in their mind.
1: I like that you went through that, right? And I think we have all had that experience that there was some app we needed. We went, maybe searched the store, found something that was highly rated, right? And downloaded it, tried it out. The last time I did this, because I, I try not to keep too many apps on my phone, I have way too many as of this, but w- was a tool to automatically track mileage, right? So as I'm driving around, doesn't happen as much right now, but <laughs> I used to more uh, track track my business mileage for me. And I found the highly rated app, downloaded it, and I did what you just described. Like, okay, I'm not really sure what all it wants me to do. This seems to be a little more involved. I just want something automatically that connected GPS and did stuff, right? And so I never went back. And a month later, I had the same need and I downloaded something else and it was a better experience. I still use that one.
0: And it's like, it happens to us all the time, right? Like there's 60 to 90 phones on average in a lot in everyone's smartphone and 97% of your time on your phone is spent on your top three apps. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your top 10 apps will get some exorbitant amount of your time. And then everyone else, the 50 to 90 other apps that you've downloaded, what do you need them for?
1: All right so we're, we're going to talk through your approach to this and you, you described it a moment ago you said you know the first time kind of experience w- with this and for product managers if we're doing software products this is going to be easy to relate to because we care about that customer experience we want them to use what we're doing and find value in it but we'll be i think make some connections to other kinds of products as well where the supplies uh, really in just helping the user have value even if it's a physical product consumer goods anything else so you refer to this as first time UX, right? What what is this thing?
0: F Tux, first time user experience. So I think as what is the experience as I'm just coming on to a product, a platform, a physical physical products have this, this experience all the time. Hey, we pick up a pick up an orange juice bottle at a grocery store. Well, what does that orange juice bottle give us? How is that different from Tropicana, from all these other brands? And so the first time user experience, yes, exactly, Chad, like, you know, physical products, digital products, but I mm-hmm. think the drop-off for digital is just so high. It's also very measurable, right? We can tell when people are dropping off within our quantitative analytics because we can tell our bounce rate, we can tell why they're dropping off, what they're looking at, and, and so all, all of that.
1: I'm taking a quick break to address a question that I get asked sometimes, which is, how can I keep doing this podcast, as they know that it takes time and money. Basically, they're asking, how does this podcast pay for itself? If you're a longtime listener, you know that I started this podcast to have these valuable discussions with fascinating people and to share those insights that they share with you and the product management community. Over time, listeners contacted me about how else I could help them, so I started answering that question during each episode, which is what I'm going to do now. How else I can help you, which is also how I pay for this podcast, is through the training that I offer. Individual product managers will find self-paced options available to accelerate your path to product master. They are aligned with professional certification, and you'll find the details at theeverydayinnovator.com slash certification. For groups, I provide the groundbreaking RPM experience, the Rapid Product Master Experience, which is designed as a virtual system that meets 75 minutes a week for nine weeks, resulting in high-performing product teams and product managers. It is a unique experience creating actual behavior change that goes beyond learning and really does create higher performance. If you have a group of product professionals or a product team, you need the RPM experience get details at the com slash RPM. Now let's talk with Elizabeth Moore. So first time UX and you have an actual system for evaluating this, right? Kind of thinking about what that experience is like. And we'd love for you to take us through that. And I know from having seen your videos and we'll tell people more about how to get resources from you pretty soon. But you have the, this wonderful video, uh, more than one, but one I saw on Lemonade. And th- that might come up later, but it's not actual Lemonade. It's I forgot who's the parent company of Lemonade.
0: It's Lemonade Insurance.
1: Yeah. And I thought someone had like a big insurance company created it as a sub brand, as another brand. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Um, I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, they were a startup.
1: Oh, OK. Awesome. Good. OK. So, yeah. So but they, they do insurance. And in this video, you take us through. So I'll include a link to that later so people can see that as well. But take us through now describing what the steps are. And I know that the first one, least, that I encountered was you were talking about the first impression
0: that's exactly it. So I have a set of four steps that I walk through in any product experience, physical or, or uh, digital. Mm-hmm. The first that I look at is a landing page. And so, and so the landing page on a digital product tells me a lot. It tells me whether the team actually understands who they're building the product for. I can usually tell what their key persona is based off of their landing page, or if they're toggling between a couple of different personas, a couple of different customer profiles. So within the landing page, I look for really strong message strength. Are they speaking directly to my pain point? The second thing I look for is who's the persona? Do I see myself reflected within the language that they're using within the person that they're describing? Then the third one is, when I sign up for the product, if I, if they've passed the 10 second test and they've given me some amount of value, it feels like they could solve my pain points. The third thing I look for is, are they going to put any barriers to entry in the way? Do I have to enter in a credit card number in this Corona time? Where's my wallet? I don't want to have to enter in a credit card number right now. Or are they going to make me talk to a salesperson? Oh my goodness gracious. Like, don't make me have to like sign up for a 15 minute, like, very painful call with, with someone. So that's the first thing, the landing page. The second thing that I go through is the one minute magic moment. I'm just onto to a digital product for the first time. What are you going to give me? So for example, if this was the Tropicana lemonade or orange juice, the Tropicana orange juice, a one minute magic moment could be, I come on, I see like Really great branding, and it tells me no sugar. Well, if that's mm-hmm. my point that orange juice always has a ton of sugar, then that feels like they're now starting to hit upon my pain point. Now I'm going to keep reading, and I might even go off and purchase it. Mm-hmm. The one minute magic moment for a digital product. I'm thinking of something like Spotify, for instance. If I'm coming onto Spotify with the intent of listening to, wanting to listen to a bunch of pop music then I want to hear a, pot, a pop playlist or a pop uh, radio. And so are you going to ask me for what music I like to listen to? And then are you automatically going to recommend a couple of stations for me to listen to so I can start compiling a playlist of songs that I like?
1: Excellent. Two thoughts on that. When it comes to physical products, especially consumer goods, we often talk in terms or I hear others talk about the moment of truth, right? Those moments of truth, which is some interaction with the product that has influence. And so like Procter & Gamble will talk about when you're walking down the aisle and you're going to look for the the new, uh, you need toilet paper, right? So something that's just kind of a, a purchase. The moment of truth might be the first time you see the packaging. And then a second moment of truth might be when you do see something on the, on the label that speaks to you, right? Interesting, you should pick that one up because re- recently I uh, got logged out of my Spotify account and had to make a, a new login and all this stuff, right? <clears throat> and so I just did a free account quick. And I did not like the resistance because in that moment, I just wanted to play a specific song and... If it would have had the option like, okay, I don't really need to know about you yet. If you just want to play music and then maybe bother me later to get me to register, that would have been great. That would have added value because in that moment, I just needed to play a specific song. It was too much. I had to go through it because I could have think of another option off the top of my head. (laughs) But nonetheless, it could have been less resistance.
0: And this happens all the time, Chad, right? Our, our incentive models for people who are internal product managers are, our incentive models are based on giving them bonuses when they create new features or when they execute a roadmap or when they do really great with like understanding different customers. Our, I've been, the bonuses that I've had as a product manager have usually been tied to how well my features have been used or how many I outputted a quarter. But If I'm a product manager and my role is to understand the role of super users, the people who are day in, day out using that product, then it's really, really hard for me to to take my head up and and work on the first time user experience because I am so entrenched in satisfying my super fans and creating for my super fans. You just can't do it. You can't you can't do both. You can either satisfy your super fans as a product manager or you can think about the first time user experience.
1: Right, and I think we overlook that some of the time, right? What what that first encounter is, as you said, because we're caught up in how we're creating more value for our customers, for our users, and we don't think about that first experience and having someone, as you said, you know, it seems like your role gravitated towards this as a product person, uh, having someone really focus on that. How, how do we get people into the funnel and make that a good experience for them as they start using our product? This really drives engagement and it drives our success to grow or not with new products. Yeah. Okay. So we have that one minute magic moment that we go through. What, what do you do next when you're evaluating this, this experience?
0: So the after the one-minute magic moment, I look for the five-minute magic moment. Five minutes onto a site, onto a digital product is a lot of time. I can Mm -hmm. give you a lot of information. I'll give you a lot of what I want to do with the product. So within five minutes, you should be able to give me something fantastic, beautiful, magical. So for example, one of my clients right now is a, a photo sharing app. And within five minutes, you are able to create an album, like an awesome, awesome, album of your photos that have, has a lot of quotes and you can share it. And that's a five minute magic moment, something mm-hmm. that, is, that is so phenomenal. This, the fourth evaluation of my criteria is what I call the grit score. Hmm. So the grit score is based off of in the, pa- in the summertime, I read the, the book Grit by Angela Duckworth, and she talks about what makes a gritty person you know how do you how do you do that balance between someone who is who is exploring who wants to try out a b- bunch of different subjects a bunch of different careers and then someone who stays with one career for not only years but decades and dedicates themselves to that that craft that that art for decades and i'm like oh that's so fascinating how do i make as a product person how do i make a gritty user someone who sticks with me through the bugs that they encounter, through all the hiccups that they have with customer service? How do I set up customers to be gritty with me, to stay with me during the during their product journey? So those are my four evaluation criteria. Landing page, one minute magic moment, five minute magic moment. And then finally, the grit score. How gritty do you have to be to understand the product and to keep using it? From a free user to a paid user.
1: So more on the GRIT score, so in the, this first time user UX experience, sorry, UX evaluation, when you're having that first encounter, maybe with, with the app, right, that was our context before, and you've gone through the, the one minute moment, and you've stuck with it, and you're getting a little bit of value in your five minutes, and like, okay, you know, and, and in your example, the the photo sharing, like, wow, I have this really cool album that I'm looking forward to sharing with my friends now, right? How do you actually judge the grit score? What's the score itself? I don't know if you do like a zero to hundred scale. What are the elements that you put in this?
0: Yeah, is that so? It's one through ten, mm-hmm. and the lower your grit score is, means that you don't need to be very gritty to understand the product. So, for example, for the lemonade mm-hmm. that you had brought up before, lemonade insurance, I found their 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 questionnaire. So easy. I did it in 90 seconds. I timed myself. I did it in 90 seconds and I felt such a magic moment at being given a quote for home insurance, which is so frustrating. I felt such magic at that, that my grit score was one. It was the lowest it had ever been. And that was because I, as a user did not need to be gritty. I did not need to spend tons of time understanding the product. I just needed to spend 90 seconds and then spend an extra like couple minutes understanding like what my options were versus something like Salesforce, where like as a sales tool, like it's notorious for, you have to put in not only hours worth of effort, you have to put in days, months, years worth of effort to get that product to be usable, not only for yourself, but for your team, your work, all the things.
1: Yep, impacts our organization. Okay, so we have that first impression the one minute magic moment, the five minute magic moment, a little more interaction. And then overall you're you're evaluating, well, how much is this site really asking for someone to stick with it just to get to the end, right? How much grit do they need to hang in there? And, And maybe somebody to entice them to do that. The, whether we want to use Lemonade or your friend's photo sharing, it, maybe we can go through and just talk through these a little bit more in terms of a, a context of a, an example, like that first impression of Lemonade or photo sharing you know, that says, wow, this 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 is speaking to me and I'm engaged.
0: Yeah, I'll use um, Lemonade as an example because I, I really love the Lemonade insurance landing page and the entire experience. When I got onto the Lemonade Insurance landing page, it was obvious that they were talking to me, a millennial, someone who is purchasing home insurance for the first time, someone who has probably heard the, the stories that have scared me off before. You know, hey, like the couple of stories from my aunts, from my uncles that are like, actually, this is such a tedious process. Don't try it out right now.
1: I, I'm curious, do you, you recall? And because you, you I forget what triggered this thought in my mind, but if, if you have ever gone to look for insurance online, often you get to the point where like, okay, we have all your information that you've given us now. We'll call you, we'll email you, we'll set up a time to talk. And that's just so incredibly frustrating, right? And I don't mm-hmm. know if there was anything that kind of intercepted that in the beginning that they did to say, hey, we're, we're going to make this simple. We're going to give you the information. You don't have to talk to anyone.
0: Yeah, and it's like, it, it comes from this, you know, if you're building a startup, if you're building a digital product, like you want so badly for this thing to be different. Mm-hmm. for change customer behavior and changing customer behavior is oh my gosh like what a what a mammoth task that is huh? so to to take the existing like exactly what you just said hey like i just entered in 15, and 20 minutes worth of information and now you're going to call me now i've got to like do this big massive hurdle to flip that on its head and say no i just need 90 seconds of information from you right then i can output it home insurance now Chad, what was amazing about lemonade insurance was once I got to the one minute magic moment to actually seeing my my home insurance, it was like one hundred and fifty dollars, for instance, I could plus or minus different I could add or subtract different Mm -hmm. values. For example, like if I wanted pet insurance, then I could add in additional pet insurance or I could remove it. If I wanted an additional, like, Hey, if I was, if my home had a fire and I was needed to put up in a hotel, I could increase that value of, I forgot what it's called, but um, like how much they would give me to mm-hmm. stay in a hotel versus, versus not. And I could play with how my quote my 150 dollars a month quote was being created that's what right. was magical for i'm my assumption is that when you gave 15 20 minutes worth of information and then they called you they were like hey chad your your home in, your home insurance is going to be $300 and that's the price neither do 300 600 or 1000 that's it
1: yeah So as you were going through to get to that one-minute magic moment, they weren't collecting everything they needed to provide an accurate quote. They were – it sounded like collecting just the, the key information to do something reasonable. And then information they may have needed but actually provided you more value to was to give you choices about how to change that based on your specific situation.
0: And so me as a user, I felt agency. I felt like I wanted to give them more information. I was like, take all my information. Oh my gosh, only $150. And I feel so empowered by this process. Mm-hmm. Like, I am, to be fair, it was 17 questions. It was a lot of questions, but at the, but at, I timed myself, it was 90 seconds. I answered 17 questions in 90 seconds, but I got like a very cheap quote out of this. And it was very easy for me to answer the questions. Mm-hmm. And it felt made me feel very empowered, which is exactly what customer experience should be like to get someone to go from a free, you know, free, free person, a free uh, perspective person, a low intent person to a high intent person. And then to actually purchasing the product, you need to empower your user. And that's only going to come in in the first time user experience.
1: Uh-huh. It's really good. Okay, so so they did well to hit that you know ninety second time frame, right? But that one minute magic moment in this context w- was powerful. It's like, oh, I'm pleased. That was pretty fast, and I have information I can use. And you're really making me feel more engaged with this because I have control over this process now. So then, take take us through kind of what happened at the five minute magic moment.
0: Yes, that was the the adding and subtracting. I could okay. And then there was a, there was a, in the top right there was like, give me more money or like find me more magic. And they just, they asked me five questions. Did I have carbon monoxide detectors in my home? How long did I own my home? Did I have a pet in my home? They asked me like a couple of questions and I was like, no, 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 no. And then they shaved off an additional like $50 a month off of my, off of my quote. And I was like, what? This seems so cheap. How is this a business? <laughs> Which is exactly what you want prospects to, to feel like this, this empowered, oh my gosh, I, I, there's no way I can't buy this. This, this is too good of a deal. I'm going to buy this right now.
1: It, it went from being good to now. I, I can't miss this, right? Might not be here next time I try Okay, you you obviously like this experience, people can watch the video later, but they did a good job managing this first user experience with a customer and getting them engaged on their platform and getting them information, letting them feel empowered. So I assume the grit score for this must have been low, because you did not have to be a very gritty user to stick with it.
0: Exactly. So it was one, one out of 10. I only needed to spend five minutes to get to a fantastic end result.
1: Right. And it sounds like you really only need to spend 90 seconds. And at that point you were engaged. I'm happy. I'm going to see what else that they can do for me. Right. Okay. So, okay. That's all, all pretty powerful. Now that you do an analysis like that, well, let's say we have come up with some issues and maybe you can just pull from experiences, right? And uh, where those issues are, what what do you do?
0: Any, any hiccup in the customer journey is felt really deeply, right? Like mm-hmm. any, exactly like the example you had given before, there was a hiccup in how that mileage app they didn't, it was too complicated at the first one at the first attempt uh, so you downloaded the app. My assumption is you still kept the app. So on the app side I think
1: they still send me emails about why I'm not using it.
0: <laughs> right. So they probably they're like, oh well Chad hasn't been engaged for like 30 days, but that's okay. We'll send him an email and we'll get him back. And that's like that's not what happened. You lost him at one minute at five minutes onto the platform. You only have five minutes to engage a customer before they jump off. And even five minutes is a lot of time. For me as a customer to give you five minutes, it means you did, did well. It means you gave me something at the one minute. For me to give you one minute means you gave me something at the 10 seconds. Uh-huh. And people forget this with conversion because I, most people like come to me and they're like, oh, Elizabeth, like you have to fix my conversion. My turn is too high. And I'm like, if people aren't converting at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's a 0.5% conversion. And we're not talking about traffic source or like what your SEO is or, but like, if we're talking about like a very, very low conversion, 0.5%, it meant that people weren't spending five minutes, they weren't spending one minute, and they certainly weren't spending 10 seconds. Yeah. And so you think about drop-off, you know, we have got a leaky funnel.
1: Yep. Uh, I remember a, I guess this was a webinar I attended on a case study for a product that they were having trouble getting people to enter their email address to sign up for the, this online system. So I think it was a Microsoft product. And they thought the product manager thought, well, I need, I need to actually collect a lot of information, maybe instead of asking for email first. I should ask for the other information. And then the user will be accustomed to entering that information. By the time they get to email, they'll just go ahead and do it. And I'm I'm in the webinar, you know, yelling at no one that can hear me. They're like, this is not going to make a difference, right? It's, and they said, you know, so we, we changed this up. And now instead of it being the first screen and we followed up with four other screens of questions, now we did those questions first. and Then we ended up with email. Guess what? They still found out when they got to email, people did not want to enter the email address. Right? That resistance was still there because of my head, I'm thinking you did not sell me from the beginning, that it's worthwhile for me to give you my precious email address, right? You're, you're not speaking to me yet to create that value.
0: Which is so fascinating. Like, it's so fascinating to me on, you know, we talk about funding and company sizes so often. And I'm like, there's no different. The The first time user experience is so beautiful to me as a product manager, because I'm like, this is the most democratic part of the platform i don't you don't need 500 engineers to make a really great first time user experience in fact if you have two engineers those first time uxs are often better than if you had 500 huh. so really it's it's very interesting you know because we talk all the time about like oh like this some company has you know huge amounts of being funded it doesn't mean they know how to make a really great first time ux and that customers aren't just going to drop off immediately.
1: Yeah. I, I really appreciate the, the discussion overall. I think the, the important point here as product people is we need to consider what is that first experience like with our product and And it's easy for us, as you said before, to get into thinking about the value we're adding later and not considering the actual resistance or what just is that a great experience? Is that a delightful experience? You know, listeners have heard me share this probably too many times. I I still remember the delight I had the very first time I got an Apple iPod because it came at that time, we have to think back a little bit now, right? We, we we were kind of accustomed at that time to just crummy packaging that took a almost a skill saw to open up, right? It was an event to try to open up a lot of packaging and had way too much stuff written on everything. And when I got the iPod, it was almost like a Christmas present, right? Just opening that up and it was beautiful and it was simple and it felt, the tactile of it all felt good, just the packaging part, right? So clearly... Someone at Apple put a lot of energy, and at that time it was stimulated by Steve Jobs. He wanted this to be a special moment. Just encountering the packaging, taking time to step back and think about what is it like for the customer the first time they encounter a product is really important because you don't know how many people you're losing that never make it through that.
0: You're hands down, yeah, and. The first time magic, the first time user experience should feel magical. Exactly how you felt. Wow! I wasn't being heard by my previous music, the the previous music, you know, whatever music devices you had. And then you opened up the iPod, and you felt, you felt heard. You felt energized. You felt empowered. And you were also like, oh my gosh, I'm going to spread this to a bunch of people. And so we all, we as product people, were like, oh, like what is that, the referral schemes or like, and that's not. That's not, if we take the momentum in the first time user experience, it mm-hmm. goes through the entire product. People are just excited for you to solve their problem and for you to solve it well and fast.
1: And it's interesting to me how many times in the Apple iPod example, how many times after that, I recommended the iPod, not because it was amazing player itself, just because that first experience was incredible. Like you got to get one. It's like getting a Christmas present, right? It's just, it's this beautiful experience. You'll, you'll love it. So they, they thought through that. Well, okay. This is wonderful. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. What do you have for us? And just tell us a little bit about what that means to you.
0: So my quote is, don't be ordinary. Don't be ordinary was a thing that my dad actually said to me. And, and the way that I think about the quote is two ways. It's, one, what would an ordinary person do if I, and then what would an extraordinary person do? And the way that I think about this is in all of my um, startup ventures and all, every time I, I embark on creating a new product, a new experience, I always think, what would an ordinary person do to, to, to launch this product? They would, so for example, we're starting a lemonade stand. What would an ordinary person do? They would get a table, they would put us put a sign up, and they would wait at the wait on the street and say, Cool, lemonade for 25 cents. I'll take the five, 10 customers that are walking through this, this, this street. What would an extraordinary person do? Well, an extraordinary person would maybe hire a couple and they would say, No, we're not gonna do it, it on any random street. We're gonna do it in Times Square okay, how are we going to generate traffic in Times Square? Because there's so many things going on. Oh, well, I'm going to hire a couple of actors to stand in line for my lemonade stand. And then the actors will just keep, it'll make it feel like like the lemonade, like the stand itself is very, there's something so unique and precious here. The Mm -hmm. lemonade, I can, you know, have like uh, it's not just lemonade it's lemonade with a little cayenne or like it's like there's some special twist on it or and and so the, I, I always think about like what is the difference there between what an ordinary person would do and then what would an extraordinary person do and then i try to mark out those differences and attempt to do the extraordinary thing
1: that, that was good wisdom your dad gave you to and how it has impacted you i can tell too so don't be ordinary thank you for sharing that with us For people that would like to take a look at these videos that you've been doing, talking about the first time UX, and also just make contact with you, learn about other resources you have, what are the best ways to do that?
0: So my website is productmindset.xyz. My content channel where the YouTube videos are is called Product Sins because I believe it's a sin to waste customers' time. And that's on YouTube. So if you search like Product Sins, Lemonade Insurance, they'll definitely pop up. And then I'm on all the channels, you know, the LinkedIn, the Twitter. So if you search my name, Elizabeth Farrell on LinkedIn, I'm super happy to connect.
1: Excellent. I will put all those links in the show notes to make it easy for people to get to them. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time and taking us through the importance of first-time user experience.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Chad.
1: Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator, soon to be known as Product Masters Now. Look for that name change coming in a few weeks. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find all the detailed notes of what we discussed with Elizabeth at TheEverydayInnovator.com slash 322. Keep innovating.
0: Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.